0: Hi, this is Jason from Way Forward. Um, I just attended the COP26 demo in the centre of Weymouth and thought I'd record it because there were some interesting speeches. And I'm sure lots of people who are concerned about the planet and climate change and the lack of action that our leaders are demonstrating um, that. There are people who couldn't make it who probably wanted to listen or would have been interested in listening, so I thought i'd record it and um that's what i 've done so have a have a listen um it's not edited it's raw, so you might hear bits and bods with chatter, but also you might need to turn it up because I was standing a little distance away from the speaker with my little microphone, but you see I've just checked it you can hear stuff um So there you go uh with way forward at the moment we're just um working on getting the circular shop ready to open for products and services that make no impact or extra impact on the planet or produce any carbon so um and that's in 30 lennox street which will be open soon but keep an eye on the facebook page okay and here's the audio from today's COP26 demo in Weymouth. Thanks for listening.
1: Well, it's pretty um, hard, Richard. When you hear youngsters talking like that, realize how much of their future lies in our hands. Can I just offer you the suggestion that many of the problems that are caused by today's, or in today's world, are caused by illusions. There's the democratic illusion which says that if you give people above a certain age the vote, then all will be well. We can see that hasn't worked out. There's the economic illusion which says that we can somehow have infinite growth on a planet which quite obviously has finite resources. And then there's probably the most pernicious illusion of all, and that's the illusion of separation. That's the illusion that we, as a species, are somehow separate from the natural world, that somehow, with our technology and our ingenuity, we can live without the natural world. And then there's the illusion that we are divided. That we are divided by the colour of our skin, by the language we speak, by the religion we follow, by the political party we choose to support. That illusion, if we don't destroy it, will destroy us. Far too many people are seeing the climate change crisis as being a left-wing or right-wing problem. The left-wing are in support of doing something about it, the right-wing are. That's the way it's being portrayed. Now, we are all in the same boat. Climate change does not care what the colour of your skin is, which country you came from, or which political party you support. We've all found ourselves in the same boat, we all have an oar, and some of us are beginning to row in the right direction, in the same direction. There are still some who are rowing in the wrong direction, and there are others who are beginning to realise that they are rowing in the wrong direction. Now, if we condemn them because of the political party they come from, and we refuse to engage with them, then we keep that division, that illusion of separation going. So can I just say, people from other political parties, we need to welcome everybody. Every single one of us is a human being. Regardless of what we've done in the past, it's what we do from here that counts. So just hold that thought in mind. The illusion of separation, it is an illusion, and we must break it or it will break us. Divided, we will fall. It's only by being united that we have a chance of succeeding.
2: Thank you. I'm now going to ask uh, Grafton to come back, uh, come up and speak to us. Um, As we all know that over the last few years, we have seen uh, the growth of the Black Lives Matter movement. And we are clearly seeing that climate and race are intricately linked together And so, uh, we are so pleased that Grafton from Stand Up To Racism is here to speak to us this afternoon.
3: Thank you everyone, and welcome to Weibach. I'm gonna make a long story short. The glacier is melting. If you look at Sri Lanka, I don't know how many of you see what's going on in Sri Lanka and around the world. People in Sri Lanka is living in the water, knee deep. And as you all know, the poorest country in the world is the one that suffered. And it's happening in Sri Lanka. And we need to do something with this government. They are dragging the hills years and years on. We've all been talking about this. And nothing nothing has been done to stop it. You look you go to Norwich, in this country, and you only need to see what's happening in Norwich. That's England. The fifth richest country. People in Norwich are crying out for climate change to stop and help those people on there. And this government is doing nothing about it, ladies and gentlemen. As the gentleman said before, it doesn't no matter what colour our skins are. Eventually, we all will go, if you don't do something about it. Thank you very much.
4: Um, on behalf of Paula Clancy, who spent an incredible amount of her, well, pretty much all of her time for the past year, uh, trying to stop Portland waste incinerator, um, the proposed waste incinerator on in Portland by Power Fuel Limited is not just a Dorset is, issue, it's, a, lo- uh, it's a, a national issue and a global issue. Um, energy from waste incinerator in, in, sorry, incineration has already reached sufficient capacity in the UK, and to build more would be to the detriment of the UK and is counter to climate action and protection of our planet. Uh, the Southwest already has a surplus Uh, in waste incineration, and a new plant opening in Bridgewater. Um, It's not good for people's health. It's not good for our area of outstanding natural beauty. It's not good for our World Heritage UNESCO coastline, and it's not good for our local economy. It doesn't bring anything. Um, So one tonne of carbon dioxide is produced for every ton of rubbish burned. Okay, now Power Fuel themselves have said they're going to burn two hundred and two thousand tons of rubbish per year. That's two hundred and two thousand tons of carbon dioxide going into into the, the, the air. Uh, one wind turbine would generate the same amount of electricity. Um, that this proposal would um, generate. Uh, Without the lorries, without the emissions, without the toxic uh, bottom ash, and not using 56 million litres of clean water every year, uh, there wouldn't be any importing of waste by cargo ships uh, from from, uh, unconstrained locations. So it's purely for profit, and it's profit making money at the expense of local people. And we, we say no, no to the waste incinerator. Thank you.
2: Um, now it's uh, a real privilege to invite Dr. John Orrell, um, our one of our local oh. health workers and yes, medics, to come and speak to us on the subject of climate change and health. So climate change and health,
5: this is br- going to bring it right down home to us. We hear that the, the mo- worst impacts of the climate change are going to hit the poorest countries in the world, but we will not escape. Indeed, we haven't. The, Ebola vi- the, the viruses that have been going around, particularly the COVID in the last year, that is part of the same crisis. It's a climate and ecological emergency as we destroy rainforests and kill wild animals. We take their viruses from the bats and we make ourselves ill. That's a taste of what's to come. As the planet warms up, diseases that we haven't had in England will start to come back. Malaria will come back to these shores. People will die as a result of climate change from illnesses. They will also die as a result of heat. We had a foretaste of that a few years ago with a heat wave in Europe killed thousands. That's a tiny taste of what's to come if we don't act. It will directly affect our health. If you a look at the human body, it, it should be in harmony. Everything one part looks after, the other the heart, the lungs all work together in harmony, in balance. At the moment, our human body, the planet, has a fever. And what's happening is this, there's a, in human terms, there's a cancer eating away at the core of our being. And this cancer is consumerism and capitalism. And it operates like a cancer. It says, I must grow, I must grow. And, and it doesn't live in harmony. It just lives by eating away and growing and growing. And we can't live with that cancer any longer. We have to cut it out and get back to living in harmony with our own bodies, with our own planet, with all people. At the moment, our leaders are choosing death. I call on us now, for the sake of our health, to choose life. Choose life.
6: Thank you. And I'm so pleased to see so many people here. You might not guess it, but I'm the green man for today. And I'm here to remind everyone that we have a dual crisis. Not only do we have a climate crisis, but we have an ecological crisis as well. The two are interlinked. The fossil fuels that we're digging up and burning for no good reason in many cases are building up these gases in the atmosphere which are warming the planet. Now, we may find ways of adapting. The rich certainly will. But plants and animals cannot adapt over the time scale that is going to be necessary. And that's why, friends, this next decade is so important. It's no good saying, we'll wait until the future, we'll get some technology that pulls these greenhouse gases out of the air, because in the meantime, the planet will have warmed up and that will mean that these plants and animals will be harmed irrevocably species will go extinct species are already going extinct there is no doubt about that now when we hear the people at the COP26 talking, they talk quite rightly about transport and about home insulation, and about flying, and waste. And they do occasionally mention food. But food is the one thing that we can't do without. We need it every day for our well-being. I saw a sign somewhere saying, don't eat meat. Quite right. We need to cut back on meat. Thank you, there it is, less meat. Equals less heat. Thanks, sir. We need to cut back on meat, but we also need to think about the way in which our food is grown. We cannot carry on relying upon food which is grown using chemicals, which is grown which is grown using nitrogenous fertilizers formed in a factory even if, even if, that means that we might have some carbon dioxide which we were ironically short of a few weeks ago that shows the state that this this civilized, so-called civilization is in so I urge you to think about where your food comes from and that just, doesn't just mean that it's about local food. It needs to be organic food. Thank you, madam, who's just reminding me. It needs to be organic. And there are people, like my friend in red over there, who is making sure that organic food is available cheaply. Now, this is... This is something that we can all do. We are all consumers of food. We can all make a difference in that way. But remember that that is not enough. It's the politics which has to change. And I'm sure that that's been referred to earlier and will be further on. We have to change the system because it is the system which is destroying the planet, and the plants and animals that live on it. Shame! Thank you very much.
2: It's not only the land that's been destroyed, also we are seeing um, one of the biggest, uh, well, a major part of our planet also being destroyed. So I'm going to ask Kaz to come up and talk about uh, our own
7: enemy. The Environment Secretary George Useless last year said, climate change is making the UK warmer and wetter, and we will be visited by extreme weather more frequently in the future. So we need to shift gears to ensure we adapt and become more resilient. By this they mean build themselves out of the trouble, continue to profit from the degradation of our living world and carry on capitalism's business as usual and screw you mentality. The language they use is the telltale sign that they see this is an opportunity. It brings them to generate cash. In recent weeks, you can just see the dollar signs lighting up in their eyes with their plans for green growth. At a recent talk by the Environment Agency about flood and coastal erosion risk and climate emergency, it demonstrated that this approach from the government is now embedded in policy. With little to no effort to actually prevent the worst effects of climate crisis. We need to prepare ourselves to deal with floods from sea level rise, tidal flooding, from storms, from rivers bursting, from our oversaturated groundwater. The Environment Agency are now working off the basis that sea levels could be close to a metre high by the end of this century. And the Ministry of Defence is also seriously preparing for the war with climate change. Last year, the MOD published a document, a strategy document called changing climate exploring the implications of climate change for the UK defense and security it is a terrifying document and in May I wrote to Richard Drax seeking support for the CE bill and asked him if as a military man he had seen this report which states in the UK flooding is expected to be one of the most pressing climate change risks to people communities and buildings over the next five years and they wrote this last year and rising temperatures could also induce heat-related deaths, the overheating of military installations, homes, hospitals, care homes, offices, schools and prisons. In this context, there is a growing recognition that climate change may aggravate existing threats to international peace and security. As a defining issue of our time, climate change continues to evolve and disrupt UK defence and security. Resilience to climate change is likely to become a key focus for the MOD as the findings of this study show climate change will continue to affect a range of UK defence activities to 2035, not from 2035, but from now until 2035. So the Ministry of Defence are already mobilising and preparing for absolutely catastrophic uh, climate change. And one thing is for sure, this government is leading on the opportunities to cash in on climate change, on the pain and suffering it will bring communities around the world and right here where we live. As Greta says, we can no longer let the people in power decide what hope looks like. Hope is taking action. I give wholehearted thanks to the Insulate Britain activists who are taking that action and giving us that very hope. Thank you. I'm
2: going to invite uh, Claire Sutton, uh, to come up, was oh, it? Hello, who are you? Are you John? Oh, John, do you want to go first and then
5: Claire?
8: Are you uh-huh. Hello, my name is John Burbage. I bring, bring greetings from Yevon, uh, from Dorset Trades Union Council, the, the trade union movement. I have worked in farming all my life, and I've seen the climate crisis really get legs from the 1960s onwards, I grew up on a farm, and we've seen it move to the whole world, um, the, the kind of industri- industrial degradation we had in this country has is actually spread to the whole world, and if we may have cleaned up a bit here, but we put it elsewhere. Um, we, as far as the food industry is concerned, which I, as I said I've got direct experience of, We see huge corporate dominance of the food chain, uh, right from supermarkets, right back to the chemical companies and um, the the marketing companies. Very, very concentrated now. Um, Our move away from the European Union has only put legs on this process. Um, What we see now is uh, there is some hope. We've got... A local food movement growing and it really does need to be supported, but it's against all odds. Uh, We have horticultural um, setups which actually don't get any subsidies. Anything below five hectares doesn't get a government subsidy. And uh, whereas the big landowners, as we know, get massive subsidies for farming in a very unfriendly way. Um, what we also see is the robbery of nature. We see colonialism from, from the very outset of the Industrial Revolution. We see colonialism plundering and stealing land from First Nation peoples. We see The robbery of nature itself, the exploitation of resources we've got to the stage where um, the whole climate is affected. Um, We also need to cast our mind back to how the land has been stolen from us. Back in the 17th century here, uh, well, we have the same landowners in this area as we did in the 17th century with the addition of finance capital, which is making a huge amount of money. There's no relationship between what you produce from the land and what it's worth. It's completely speculative. I'll just wind up by saying our trade union movement respects the climate uh, justice movement, respects it because we're talking about bringing justice and equality to a world which badly needs it. We're talking about restoring our relationship with nature. I just wanted to read out one last thing about about ourselves, because we should be enjoying life instead of being overwhelmed by it. This is a vital lesson that nature gives us all. We should be working with nature, not dominating it. Thank you very much.
2: Uh, I'm now going to invite Councillor Claire Sutton to come and bring a few words.
9: Hello everyone, good afternoon. I took the democratic path. I was the first Green elected to Dorset council but it's not enough is it particularly in our rotten first past the post system here in the uk my 20 year old son who's already introduced himself has taken a very different path he as you know has been campaigning with insulate britain for the past few months and is among 28 now facing a prison sentence. Two of those 28 are here, my son Louis and Emma. Very, 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 very people. As his mum, at first I thought, someone's got to do it, but I wish it wasn't my son Louis. But I was wrong. In face of the potential catastrophe, we must stand up, lie down, do whatever it takes to make governments and the shells, the BPs, the exons of this world. Not just listen, but act, and act now. Not only to protect our children's futures, Bangladeshis, Kenyans, Filipinos, poor people all over the world need the help of rich nations right now. I'm not as brave as my son, but when I see pictures of those often elderly, sometimes frail looking, but oh so strong campaigners, I'm deeply moved. It's too late to be polite about this. Not only must we, must we challenge our leaders, we must also challenge our friends, neighbours, colleagues. Even those, if you have seen that interview, who believe that concrete grows on trees. <laughs> or something like that. Thank you very much.
2: To come and
10: and speak to us. Hi everyone, uh, I'm going to talk really fast so please please bear with me and bear with the note. Um, perhaps the biggest message we were told this week from COP26 is that we should trust in the politicians, in the fossil fuel companies and the banks. Well, since the Paris Agreement in 2015, the 60 biggest banks in the world have funneled 2.8 trillion into fossil fuels. Between 2018 and 2020, the UK's five biggest banks have invested just over 40 billion into the coal industry alone. Campaign group Reclaim Finance warned that the UK's financial sector was actively undermining efforts to reach net zero carbon emissions. So do we trust the big banks? As for fossil fuel companies, companies like Shell and BP have known for decades about climate change and the true nature of their genocidal industry. They've spent tens of billions employing lobbyists to buy our politicians and to lie to us, the public. They've spread the lies that climate change wasn't real and then that it wasn't man-made. And now that fossil fuels aren't the problem. They don't care if the world as we know it ends, just as long as for a few decades there were big profits for a few wealthy shareholders. Their latest trick is to talk about how they're converting to net zero themselves. But they're only talking about the processing of oil, not the oil itself and how it's then used. It's like a manufacturer of poison saying they're going to make the factory where they make the poison safer. Do we trust our fossil fuel companies? And then there's our politicians. We have Chancellor Rishi Sunak parading a nice green briefcase at COP26 but who just a week earlier from his red briefcase announced the halving of the tax paid on highly polluting domestic flights. We have our Prime Minister Boris Alexander Boris de Feffel johnson a world leader only in deceit. This is the man who gave the green light to HS2 and new road building, who may well still give the green light to the new Cambo oil field and the proposed Cumbrian coal mine, and whose government continue to give astronomical subsidies to the fossil fuel industry. Just to be clear, that's our money. Governments are using our money to endanger our grandchildren. Our new Secretary of State for Education, Nadeem Zahawi, has received more than a million pounds from fossil fuel companies, mostly in a two-year period, when he was somehow also the Chief Strategy Officer for Gulf Keystone Petroleum. I mean, do we trust these politicians? We have a global system which is based upon greed. This capitalist system is like one big competition where there's a tiny number of big winners and a massive number of losers. Us, our grandkids. And whilst we have a world where the prevailing ideology is based upon greed, the planet doesn't stand a chance. In the two seconds it takes to say, a football pitch of trees gone, we lose a football pitch of trees. A football pitch of trees gone. A football pitch of trees gone. A football pitch of trees gone. gone every two seconds. So I want to leave you with these three ideas. The first is, I won't vote for you unless. I urge uh, urge everyone to be part of a global movement where we say to politicians all around the world, I won't vote for you unless, and the unless is unless they make tackling the climate crisis their number one priority and put forward a comprehensive plan of actions to meet this absolute obligation. The second second idea is what will you say when? That's short for what will you say when your children and your grandchildren ask you what you did when it became indisputable that the planet was in danger and the future of humankind was under threat. What will you say when? I urge everyone to ask that question of themselves, their families, their neighbours, their colleagues, their councillors and MPs. It's not meant as a guilt trip, but it should lead people to think, and it should lead to action. And finally, and finally I want to mention people power. We can't trust the politicians, the fossil fuel companies and banks. They're all too greedy. We have to make the difference ourselves. It's you that they're scared of. It's you that has the real power. It's you who vote them into power, and it's you that can vote them out again. We've learned today. We've learned today of brave activists devoting their lives to fighting climate change. Heroes, modern day heroes, but not everyone can be a superhero. People power can be simple actions, things that we can all do. Talk to others, attend meetings, go on demonstrations, write to your local newspaper, call your radio station, sign petitions, write write to your MP, take part in civil action, school strikes for crime, it strikes in the workplace, change your bank to one that acts ethically, if you can change your pension to one that invests ethically, not in fossil fuels and while you're at it not in weapons manufacturers, in- individually and more importantly collectively we can make the difference The great environmental activist Erin Brockovich said, things will only improve when people, all of us, say to the authorities, I will hold you responsible. We should all be showing up at council meetings, lighting up every community with activism and mobilization. Well, today you have shown up. Let it be the start of something big. Now give yourselves a massive round of applause.
2: I from Glasgow, uh, where I was there protesting uh, alongside some of the really uh, my brave friends and colleagues in Christian Climate Action, the Christian wing of uh, Extinction Rebellion. And we were there with one uh, clear agenda. We wanted to bring peace, but we also wanted to call out the BS. Now, when I went to theological college, um, yeah, I am um, a real vicar, honestly. <laughs> um, I'm not on a stag night. Um, <laughs> I had to learn New Testament Greek you? and one of the Greek words that St. Paul uses in his Epistle to the Philippines is the word scubalos. Can we all say that together? Skubalos. We translate that in the English uh, Anglo-Saxon as shit. <laughs> Because, friends and brothers and sisters, frankly, that is what we are in. And we are in the shit, quite frankly, oh, sorry, we're in the scuba loss. nobody (laughs) writes to my bishop. Um, Because we are living in a place where the government and the media will not tell the truth. They've covered up the truth about catastrophic climate change. And what I heard in Glasgow was this they're not trying now to scrabble to keep us under 1.5 degrees because it's locked in they're scrabbling to keep us under two degrees one of the things i discovered last night was one of the reasons that uh, president ping uh in in china didn't show up to the conference is because he's got a catastrophic food crisis in china because of flooding the vegetable crops have all failed this is locked in 1.5 is locked in we will not be able to get under that so it means we're heading towards two degrees now humankind has never lived at two degrees in history which means that if you live in weymouth in fact if you're stood on this ground you're in the loss. And people say to me, how is it as a vicar you're involved in such a political issue? Well, the climate isn't a political party and it ain't a religion. Climate change doesn't care if you're Tory, Labour, Christian, Jew, Muslim, Sikh, whatever you are. It's a scientific fact that we cannot get around. Is that what we are needing is not just a system change we are needing a collective change of consciousness because other than a change of consciousness that is driven by love we will not be able to overcome this thing that will affect every single one of us now i'm here and i can tell you that i'm here because the bible tells me in the words of jesus that i am to love my neighbor as myself It tells me that God created a good earth and he created human beings in God's image and he created them very good. But there has been a text from the Hebrew scriptures that has been holding my attention for months and it comes from the book of Proverbs. It says this, rescue the perishing, don't hesitate to step in and help. If you say, hey, that's none of my business, Will that get you off the hook? Someone is watching you closely, you know, and someone not impressed with weak excuses. Over the last few weeks, I have watched my brave brothers and sisters in Christian climate action sit on motorways with traffic bearing down. I've seen them ripped off the road. I have seen them physically battered and suffering and some of you who are out there you have gone through this we can't separate ourselves from this you see i'm a part of extinction rebellion because i've seen read and heard the truth catastrophic climate change and this text tells me this that i too need to put my body on the line push past the middle class british let's not make a fuss now Uh, risk my reputation as a vicar, and tell the truth. You see, the issue is that this is all of our business. And I don't want to look my grandchildren in the eye and say, well, I didn't really want to make too much of a fuss. Martin Luther King said in 1968, we shall overcome because the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards justice. And I believe in hope. And in the hearts of all people, there is the desire to do good, to be moral and to overcome evil with good. Now, I don't know where you are on this, but I believe that God is watching and is hurting with this beautiful creation. I'm waiting for people with a consciousness that says, enough, I will not allow the polluters, the bankers, the 1% to keep oppressing people of color, the poor indigenous groups, and the very creation that we live in itself. Our ecosystem that keeps us alive. And justice will prevail if we act in solidarity. Stand with brave activists who say we are done with the blah, blah, blah. And we will tell the truth, act for truth, and stand in truth, as to quote Jesus himself. We should know the truth, and the truth will set us free. And I want to do something that right now that we would probably not normally do. I want us to spend a few moments in silence before we march off, and I want us to center ourselves. I want to center ourselves in peace. I want to center ourselves in love. I want us to march with love in our hearts. I want us to march because we want a world of peace. And I want us to march because we are looking for a world where the truth is told and we tell the truth to one another. We shall overcome someday. Let's be quiet. some practical uh, practical demo- uh, practical um, things on how we're going to form out and how we're going to march. Um, uh, ladies and gentlemen brothers and sisters, we may pause outside HSBC to have a little word. We may also pause outside of Barclays to have a little word. Um, and so when we get to those locations on St. Mary Street, let's slow down and have a little pause, shall we? <laughs>
0: So there you go. That's they're the speeches from uh, the rally, and then there was a march around town and stopped off outside HSBC and Barclays to say a few words. And there were some amusing songs along the way. Um, I had to duck off because I had to go and um, do the washing mundane family stuff and the shopping um but i thought i'd knock out this podcast uh just so that people who couldn't make it could hear Um, i'm going to um, be making other podcasts from the circular shop so i build a little audio or i'm building a little audio studio in the middle of uh, all of the tools the wayshare tools which is the library of things which will be opening soon from 30 lennox street So there will be more podcasts with um, interesting people talking on the topic of sustainability and um, sustainable projects locally or products or food or all kinds of stuff, but also interesting life stories and a bit of mental health thrown in for good measure. So we're gonna be doing a few more things in audio uh, via or under the way forward name so thanks for listening and hope to hear from you soon send us any messages you you feel you want to send once you've listened to this okay take care bye-bye so there you go that's they're the speeches from uh the rally. And then there was a march around town and stopped off outside HSBC and Barclays to say a few words. And there were some amusing songs along the way. Um, I had to duck off because I had to go and um, do the washing, mundane family stuff and the shopping. Um, But I thought I'd knock out this podcast uh, just so that people who couldn't make it could hear. Um, I'm going to um, be making other podcasts from the Circular Shop. So i build built a little audio, or I'm building a little audio studio in the middle of uh, all of the tools, the Wayshare tools, which is the library of things which will be opening soon from 30 Lennox Street. So there will be more podcasts with um, interesting people Talking on the topic of sustainability and um, sustainable projects locally, or product products or food or all kinds of stuff, but also interesting life stories and a bit of mental health thrown in for good measure. So we're going to be doing a few more things in audio uh, via or under the way forward name. So thanks for listening and hope to hear from you soon send us any messages you you feel you want to send once you've listened to this okay take care bye bye